Hello, and welcome back to the time of the year where in the South, it just rains a lot, and the little snow you do get kind of sucks. I'm your host, Lukewarm Slush. In the last Core Communicates, I spent the entirety of the video talking about Title I of the Music Modernization Act. In this week's video, I'm going to be talking about Titles II and Titles III. And as always, I'm going to be attempting to talk about them in such a way that it's interesting, but in as much detail as I can find and fit into a short video like this. So without further ado, Title II of the Music Modernization Act is known as the Classics Protection and Access Act, which we'll just call the Classic Act. And that's, and we'll... Did I stutter? Did I get that right? That's hard, that's hard to say, Classics Act, which we'll just call the Classics Act uh, for the entirety of this video. Uh, the Classics Act focuses primarily on sound recordings completed before February 15th, 1972, also called pre-1972 recordings. Essentially before the Modernization Act, pre-1972 recordings were not entitled to compulsory mechanical royalties from various uses such as non-interactive audio transmissions like Pandora and Sirius XM. If any licensing negotiations were to take place, they would have to happen directly between the rights holder and the streaming service, or, you know, the radio service. The act also extends eligibility to rights owners to collect statutory damages for the unapproved use of 1972 sound recordings dependent on various requirements being met. One of those requirements is that rights owners must file what is called a pre-1972 schedule that is basically a listing of all pre-1972 recordings intended to be indexed and inserted into the Copyright Office's online database that then sends out a weekly email to notify the public of newly added sound recordings. The federal remedies for the unauthorized use of these pre-1972 sound recordings are available for 95 years after the first publication of the sound recording, with some exceptions that add additional periods. And that's all we're gonna talk about in regards to Title II. It's very, you know, clear cut in the text and essentially, Title III pertains more to engineers and producers, so I want to spend more time talking about that. Title III of the Music Modernization Act is known as the Allocation of Music Producers Act, aka the AMP Act. The AMP Act allows music producers, mixing engineers, and, quote, anyone who contributes creatively and above a certain threshold of originality to a work to collect royalties for their work. And it should be noted that this act only applies to sound recordings, not musical works. The difference between the two is something we talked about in a previous video. The act designates an entity, in this case the entity in question is Sound Exchange, uh, to collect and distribute said royalties. The amount of the payment is determined by a letter of direction from an authorized artist payee. Uh, so instead of the artist being responsible for making these payments, engineers and producers will receive their royalties directly from sound exchange. I'll note real quick that this applies mainly to sound recordings and royalties for non-interactive streaming, so like satellite radio and the like. Additionally, the act dictates royalty payments to engineers and producers who worked on sound recordings uh, 1995 and prior. Why, why 1995 specifically? The year 1995 is specified 
because prior to that year and the passage of something called the Digital Performance and Sound Recordings Act of 1995, producers and engineers were actually not legally given any rights to receive these funds. Uh, so this act is a big deal for those of us that are on the creative side of recording. Because let's be honest, engineers can have a huge creative impact on the final outcome of a record, and more often than not, they're the first ones to be forgotten about, uh, to not be properly credited, and to have their ideas essentially stolen. And that really fucking sucks, especially in today's industry where a lot of engineers and producers, everyone's pretty much freelance, and so as a result of not being credited or talked about, you don't really get the word of mouth exposure that is sort of necessary to build a career, especially as a younger individual in the industry. So if an engineer does something really cool that pretty much makes a song what it is, and everyone freaks out about it, and that's like everyone's favorite part of a record, but no one knows that that engineer exists, then like, what's the fucking point, you know? Fuck! And as a result of not being credited and forgotten about, these engineers and individuals and producers are losing out on future opportunities. Um, they're losing future paychecks. And as a result of that, they could be losing the steam that they need and the financial resources they need to maintain a career. And they may have to quit as a result of being improperly credited just on a few projects. And with Title III, this is sort of the first time that engineers and producers have been taken into consideration regarding serious legislation. But even though producers and engineers are often caught on the other side of the glass and are never the household names and faces that you'll come to know and aspire to become and mold your career after. Without engineers and producers, we wouldn't have some of the best music that we know today. And frankly, engineers and producers probably make a lot of our favorite artists seem a lot more talented than they probably actually are. <laughs> Sick burn, bro! And so, as we're learning about the Music Modernization Act, Title III is a big deal because it finally starts to give recognition and proper reimbursement to those who really make music what it is. And that's my story. Lukewarm slush.